Hi, my name is Alejandro Pérez Pérez and this is the AI Coffee Podcast. Every two weeks, we will have one episode regarding one disruptive aspect of technology and artificial intelligence for the time to drink a cup of coffee. Today, we have a guest, we have a colleague of the AI for Golf Master, we have Sara. Sara Mancini, welcome. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Sana Mancini is an expert in trustworthy AI in the public sector, leading the digital transformation in Italy and named one of the 100 brilliant women in AI ethics in 2023. Wow, Sara, amazing, right? This, this final thing. Um, but let's start from the beginning, from your personal story. Uh, can you tell us your journey into the field of AI and technology and how you become uh, interested into this area? Okay, so uh, I, I had my master in mathematics and then straight afterwards I started um, uh, working in PwC and I was working in um, more generally in technologies and how they uh, change the, um, the business and how uh, new technologies especially uh, were changing the, how the organization were doing their own uh, activities. And then after that, it became natural to go and move into AI because um, I was uh, managing projects with clients, uh, developing solutions with my colleagues. And then after that, by chance, uh, I start working on uh, ethics of AI. Uh, and this is why, uh, I mean, now I'm here working in this field uh, since 2018, actually. So a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's amazing that you started a long time ago because nowadays we see a lot of people talking about ChatGPT, talking about uh, generative AI. But I think it's also really important this part of your background, right? How to manage ethics in artificial intelligence. So maybe can you tell us some examples about what you do or uh, because you said that you participated into many different projects. So can you tell us some? Yeah, so uh, actually already from the beginning, Uh, we were working uh, um, not just in public sector because it was more broad uh, and we were trying to help organization in understanding the concept of ethics of AI. So at the beginning, and it was really at the uh, birth of this topic, uh, we were uh, um, helping uh, organization in developing their principles, uh, in uh, contextualizing them into their own organizations. So this was the first project. Um, and then after that, uh, we were uh, helping them uh, in understanding how to enforce those principles. So how can you be sure that your organization is really following the principle of fairness? Uh, or uh, in transparency, interpretability, and so on. So we moved into the concept of governance of AI. Um, and from my point of view, governance is uh, just the methods and the uh, practical uh, ways on how to really put in practice uh, uh, ethics of AI and, and trustworthy AI. I mean, trustworthy AI is now the, the, the name that is uh, given to this uh, field by the commission so we are in the european union and and this is also a way of um, of identifying our own uh, approach to ai uh, so nowadays we are helping uh, uh, understanding the the trustworthy ai concept concept what is uh, 
the point of view of the commission, what is uh, the, um, the core content of also the uh, AI Act, so the regulation that is uh, going to be approved soon, and how the organizations uh, need to change. So, for example, uh, we are uh, shaping the, pro the processes that needs to be uh, to put in place, but the organization to ensure that they are addressing, let's say, uh, the requirements from the AI Act or that they are um, uh, in, in, uh, entangling, let's say, uh, the principles and the, the trustworthy AI concept into their own practices and processes. So this is what I'm doing right now, more or less with yeah, public sector uh, and also private sector too, but mainly public sector, yeah. That sounds really, really inspiring and interesting, uh, Sarah. But I also wanted to to know about this second part of your your uh, description that I said that in, in the introduction about your, how was it um, the process of being nominated one of the w top 100 women in AI ethics? How how was it? What are your feelings about it? Let me know more about that. Yeah, this is really, this came as a surprise, actually. <laughs> I really didn't know. Um, so uh, back in the years when I was PwC, um, I was part of a global team working. Uh, it was uh, called Responsible AI. And uh, we were many women, actually. Uh, and we were part or we came in contact with this uh, organization uh, that were listing that was listing uh, all the women working in the AI and especially in ethics of AI. Uh, and there is this list you can go there and you can um, see many many women that are working in different fields across all the the world. The concept of this list was to Uh, uh, let's say help also who is organizing events who is uh, searching for people and uh, that want to increase diversity because in this field usually there are more men than women to find uh, people that were wo actually women working in this field so we were all listed there and we were at, at the beginning we were a few so <laughs> it was easy to uh, to to be tracked there Um, and then I don't know how, actually, really, really, this is a surprise. One of my old colleagues um, sent me an email saying, oh, congrats, you were listed this year as the top 100. And I said, oh, I really didn't know. So I think that uh, there is a committee that scans through the, um, the list. And uh, I don't know, maybe searching with the activities on on LinkedIn on what is uh, the activity that the, the, the women are carrying out, they select a few uh, to be nominated. So it was really surprising. Then I told to my boss, now I work in Intellera, it's not PwC anymore. And uh, and then it came like, oh, okay, so let's make a... Um, Uh, advertise this uh, success and I was a bit awkward about it but it was it's also really nice I mean uh, it's a it's a passion of mine so it's uh it's um, I'm proud of it let's say it <laughs> yeah congratulations very much and I think you deserve it because uh, we have been working together in in the masters and I really was impressed by what you I mean how do you handle all the projects also Uh, the energy that you usually have while working, while talking, as, as the audience can see now. Uh, it's really, really inspiring. And yeah, thank you very much also for being mm -hmm. here. And Sara, um, we have been talking about, uh, I mean, everything regarding AI, regarding digital transformation, 
Um, but do you have any other uh, side project or um, thing that you do maybe, I don't know, in your community? Or maybe do you have any other thing around just for the audience to know you a little bit more? So uh, last year when we were doing the master, I had to focus on that only so I didn't work because I um, the, the topic is really... Um, a fashion so now I really had a lot of work uh, so I had to to pause all my passions but um, uh, the years before that I was trying to find a way of supporting political movements because I wanted to to um, to bring my own perspective especially on this topic because it's not very known and the technology now is really um, uh, gaining the spot also of political um a political discourse so i really wanted to get involved in that uh, but it's really hard so i'm still finding a way on how to do that uh, really hard um, so then this is one thing and yeah i would like also to do something more that is mainly focused with uh, young people because i really think that uh, it is going to be fundamental to help uh, kids, uh, young uh, students uh, to uh, interact with the technologies, especially the new ones. Uh, if you think about ChatGPT, it's like the big one right now, in a good way, in a more critical way, in order to balance the, the benefits that these technologies can bring, but also being aware of the risk that they pose. Uh, so I really... I have just ideas right now. It's really also challenging to think about how to get into the education side. So it's really something that it's it's just a dream right now. I have many friends actually from the university teaching in the high schools. So, so maybe I can talk with them and think something. But uh, yeah, I'm just mm, more ideas than uh, practical things, unfortunately, right now. Yes, I get your point of view. I mean, you said that the, when the, while the master were uh, passing, I mean, it was really, really hard to manage everything. I completely understand it. Um, but yes, I feel also that you have a lot of um, like energy to give to the community. So that's also really, really inspiring. Okay, Sara, but we are not here only for talking about you and your experience. Um, I would like to know more about the topics you are working with. Um, you mentioned um, as a topic that I think is quite relevant, uh, the topic of trustworthy AI. And I mean, the key point of this term is trust. And I don't see that um, maybe trust is, is um, usually the, the, the concept that we are talking uh, when we are talking about artificial intelligence. We are usually talking more about uh, money, uh, being efficient, uh, spending less time, uh, boosting uh, an optimization, the, the time, energy, and so on. Um, I mean, can you maybe explain us why it's so important to, to have uh, this trust in artificial intelligence? Yeah, uh, I think the two concepts that you mentioned were are not disconnected because you can... Um, really get to the benefits so to efficiency uh, to um, uh, optimization of processes only if the the solutions that are enabling these benefits are used and used in the correct way and you can only do that if you trust the solutions so 
if you don't uh, trust the outputs, you don't uh, use them and uh, you don't uh, really get to the benefits of the technology. Um, the same for transparency. If you do not understand, if you do not trust how they work, then you cannot rely on the out outcomes of those solutions. So it is a key point. Um, and it's not just related, for example, to ethics. It, it's also related to the trust on the if, um, performances, if you want. So if they work well and if they work well now and in the future. So the, the concept on reliability, on robustness and so on. So I think that trust is really a key component uh, and it's fundamental to, to get to the benefits of the technology. Then you, you can also add a layer related to ethics. So if you trust that this technology is performing well and it's not also discriminating, it's giving you all the uh, transparency that you need, you can really rely on that. And then it becomes uh, like another colleague of yours. It's not just a tool, it's really something that you can rely on and you can use uh, and so on and so forth. So it's really a concept that is not disconnected to the benefits. It's really unenabled for, uh, for that. Yeah, that is my point of view. Yes, that's a good point of view, actually. Uh, but what I think is like, for example, we are used to Excel files, we are used to calculators, I don't know, PowerPoint or, or, or tools like that, that of course are reliable, but because they are neutral. I mean, you. Yeah, you put I, the content. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you you write whatever you want to, uh, and I mean, do you maybe put the correct or the wrong uh, functions in an Excel file? But at the end of the day, it works always the same, and there is no um, partial opinion or point or bias in this in this process. But now it's really important because um, when we are talking about AI. Uh, we don't really know exactly what's going to be as the output. So having this reliability, uh, this trust is, is of course, is, is really key, as you mentioned. Yes, but maybe let's let's uh, for for making people more aware of that. May, mm -hmm. Maybe let's inverse reverse the the, the, the statement. Let's say uh, maybe do you have any um, kind of example in mind? that is not reliable at all. So for people to make understand how important this is. Yeah, yeah. There are many examples right now uh, because, um, I mean, as more as much as the technology is used, then you discover the problems, right? So it comes from uh, all the examples, if you want, about hiring uh, applications, sorry, uh, AI solutions that were helping the hiring process, uh, that were scanning the CVs. This is a very uh, famous example from Google that were uh, um, using uh, um, positive examples from the past. Uh, so they were analyzing the CVs and selecting the ones that were uh, similar to successful old ones. And they were selecting only men because, uh, of course, uh, in the past, uh, the, the majority of applicants were from the male side, let's say. So also the who won the job <laughs> was, uh, was from the male uh, popul uh, population. So uh, then they found out and they, okay, they said, okay, we need to be aware that the data that you put uh, in input to these AI solutions that are 
machine learning solutions so they learn from the data um, need to be uh, checked you need to balance you need representativeness of the population and uh, so that you can uh, ensure that the outputs uh, are also balanced uh, towards the population uh, other examples uh, there were um, a lot of uh, solutions for uh, um, a biometric identification facial recognition so that were really um, performing in different ways across uh, yeah male female but also black and white uh, chinese or uh, or asian let's say more generally uh, population so this kind of uh, biases uh, are one of the most common issues um, then you have other type of issues that are about uh, understanding how uh, the solution work, uh, solutions work. Um, so, for example, this is all uh, in the topic of transparency, interpretability, um, and it's uh, related to the fact that uh, as the AI solutions, especially deep, deep learning, uh, machine learning that are really advanced uh, neural network, um, are more and more complex. So you put some data in as input but, and you get some output, but you really don't understand the logic behind the decisions that the solution is um, is making in the, in the while. So you really get the result and you need to, I don't know, work with that, but without understanding the how and what is important uh, for, for getting to that result. So now we are seeing a lot of um, uh, solutions, uh, techniques uh, that are um, addressing this issue and try to help understand the inner functioning of these AI solutions, uh, helping also to understand if the results are correct or, or not. How can you uh, use the decision of something that you really don't know how, how it was taken? So this is like one big issue that is also related on... Uh, to the fact that uh, people that are working with, the, with these solutions need to have the human agency. So they need to be in charge of uh, taking decisions uh, and also human oversight. So in the end, we don't want a complete automation of the decisions, but we want a collaboration, let's say, with the, between humans and machines. Um, so these are kind of examples um, for example, this is very common when you have credit scoring, you want to understand how uh, or why, sorry, not more than how, uh, why a certain applicant was, uh, mm, uh, was given a positive result with respect to other applicants that were given a negative result. And also this impacts on the... Um, on the relationship, for example, between the client and the bank or the, the other financial institution. So these are very common examples uh, of when this could be wrong. I don't know, first, also in the public sector, there were very big uh, scandals <laughs> that were, uh, again, related to discrimination, if you want. In, in, the, in the Netherlands, there was this um, uh, solution that was... Uh, um, scanning or prioritizing uh, social welfare uh, 
uh, applicants so uh, or fraud detecting fraud and uh, they found out that uh, they were detecting possible frauds in specific neighborhoods that were the poorest ones so this kind of solutions were really um, actually the, the, the government f- uh, fell after that so <laughs> it's re- really something that is happening so uh, it's not something um, in the future it's really right now Hi, it's Alejandro Perez Perez, host of the Ecofi podcast, and I have a very short message to you. Sorry for this interruption. Please, as this is an independent project, it will be really, really important for me if you could subscribe to the podcast. You could also share with your friends and relatives. And please, a very important thing is to subscribe to the Ecofi newsletter at alejandroperezperez.substack.com. It will make this project bigger and bigger, and of course, it will create more valuable interviews for you. Thank you very much, and let's continue the podcast. Yes, I I completely agree with you, and the the um, the relevance of it, as you said, it was like in, for example, in the Netherlands, a government, a completely government, fell only, or let's say mostly because of this. Um, and it is really important because we are creating um, algorithms that we don't control completely ourselves. So that's also why it's so important, as you mentioned, and I like it very much, that you can automatize almost everything. But at the end of the process, uh, a human should be looking everything and really being aware that whatever is making um, is trustworthy and, and reliable and, and respect uh, the rules, of course, because they, they might be also algorithms that, that are against uh, specific rules of the country or the region. So I completely agree. And also uh, a good question I wanted to, to ask you uh, is how can we ensure that AI technologies are inclusive and accessible to all members of society? Because uh, you mentioned that uh, a little bit, but can you maybe, I mean, what are the important points uh, regarding this topic? Yeah, I mean, this is also another level of trust. So it's more related, for example, uh, yeah, it, it is related to country level, but more, uh, I mean, world worldwide, let's say, because, yeah, we, we have uh, uh, rich countries in which investments uh, are a lot or many and um, we are really uh, investing in education and bringing these technologies uh, uh, towards uh, well not everybody but the, a big big group of people and this is going to uh, to help the whole uh, community right um, but I still think that also within a country you will still have uh, uh, discrepancies uh, between uh, who has access uh, to high level uh, uh, education uh, or high level um, well if you think universities uh, or uh, or that can arrive to university I mean this is a more general problem it's not just for AI but if you think about AI and this technology you need specific uh, uh, training you need also lab and so on so I think also within a country, you need to be aware that uh, there will be always uh, uh, people that are uh, more keen to go until the, the final stages of education, while others uh, were, will be 
stop if, if you need to or will quit uh, because of social reason, for example, or, or so on. But this is even bigger if you think about uh, uh, competition across countries. So countries that have uh, the possibility to invest in this technology will gain uh, advantages uh, towards uh, other other countries. So yeah, usually um, you you can always think about Africa, for example, that is not having this. Uh, um, Uh, development right it's not working uh, um, towards this I still see that many investments or many um, uh, nice uh, uh, projects are being um, developed now also in African countries there are collaborations across Europe and and African countries so this is going to try to mitigate this risk but it's really hard, right? It's really hard to uh, to level uh, level this kind of uh, differences because uh, also the, the the background, so the people that are uh, that are able to go to that training in, for example, Africa, but also if you want South of America or other country in Asia are less and less. Uh, if we don't think about peop- countries. Uh, that are uh, with wars and, and so on. So uh, it's really something that we need to take into account because otherwise it's going to be the same as usual. So that the powerful countries will have the power over these technologies and will uh, have the advantages towards the others. So uh, it's something a bit out of our reach probably, <laughs> but uh, it's also an important topic uh, that I think also, again, Europe has this... Um, uh, aim to address because we are the ones that we care <laughs> a bit more than the others uh, but just um, I mean with these programs that uh, there are uh, but yeah again this is really hard I think it's uh, it's not going to to change much also because you need basic uh, infrastructure like internet connection computers uh, that it's not that you need you you provide this uh, to everybody from to today for today for tomorrow so it's something that you need to build and uh, it's really hard let's say yes it it is actually uh while i was uh, researching things for my master thesis um uh, that you know really well that we are working on on this thesis um when i was looking for information i found a really uh weird project that apparently it's more often than, than we think uh, that I think it was in India um, there was like a big company or like big companies that bought I don't know many hundreds or thousands of computers to provide uh, children there uh, like let's say a minimal infrastructure for accessing the I don't know whatever right mm-hmm. but it is also really important to to make them uh, use it or I mean to to teach them how to use a computer yes. also to let's say maybe co-create the, the spaces where they can work because maybe um, I mean it could be that they would like to learn from the computer but they couldn't maybe they don't know how but also if they know or they try or they uh, get uh, to to know it 
maybe they don't have um, a moment to do so, or um, they don't they don't also maybe um, I don't know have other maybe more important infrastructure around. So it's also really important to figure out how to do these projects. That I mm -hmm. think it's also really really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. For example, um, I also work in uh, European projects. And um, there was this one in which we collaborated with... Uh, uh, so in, in my project, we have digital innovation hubs in Europe. That is a, a concept for bringing innovation to small and medium enterprises uh, and do, let's say, um, bring research to the industry, let's say. So uh, there were different projects that were trying to establish digital innovation hubs in Africa. And we wanted to do some kind of matchmaking between the European ones and the African ones. And when preparing this event, we were talking with our correspondents, let's say, um, that were working directly with this digital innovation app in Africa. And they were telling us that uh, the, the need there, the technology need is much more basic. So they, they need uh, not very advanced technology, but they need technology that is useful for their own environment. And that we somehow, well, very often <laughs> Europeans come there and uh, they want to uh, sell, if you want, they want to replicate their solution there, but those solutions are not the ones they need. So uh, that you need to really understand the need uh, that is most related uh, with basic needs, like, for example, also water, right? Or, um, or very basic uh, needs that uh, are very far from our minds because we have everything. So it's also important that we, we establish this collaboration, but uh, keeping in mind not our own perspective, but more the need of the, the specific environment. So as you were saying, you can bring the technology, but you need also to uh, teach how to use it and, and teach something that is helpful for, uh, for the specific context. So I completely see the, the point. Yes, it's, it's really important. And maybe can you tell us more about these digital hubs and how, I mean, how was it, um, yeah, yeah, so digital innovation apps are a concept that is really European. <laughs> so it's one of these uh, programs that the Commission started a few years back. Um, they are spread across Europe and uh, they have very different uh, configurations. Uh, they are mostly attached to um, universities, uh, research centers, and they have labs, uh, they bring, um, I mean, they, they provide an environment in which uh, especially small and medium enterprises can go there and try to, to do some prototyping, to develop new solutions for their own uh, environment, if you want. Uh, so there are very many across Europe. There is also a website where you can check and you can go there. And so many services will be free for small and medium enterprises because of the, uh, of the configuration that the Commission wanted to establish. You can also access um, trainings, uh, uh, let's say, also help um, support for fundings, uh, uh, this kind of services, so uh, really broad. It depends also on the uh, specific focus of the hub. 
And now the Commission has established a European digital innovation hubs that are like big digital innovation hubs that have a, a coordination role across a region uh, in order to strengthen this um, collaboration and improve also the services and so on. So it's something that is there for a while and it's bringing some uh, good results uh, to, to this, the local communities, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. I mean, I will put the note like, like the link of this at the end of the episode or in the notes of the episode, as I think it's it's really important. I didn't know actually, and yeah, a good thing to to learn today. And actually, talking about learning, uh, Sarah, uh, how do you stay updated to this completely huge and amazing world of AI? Uh, this is challenging and <laughs> the work that I'm doing is on one side um, uh, too much so I cannot read all the uh, amazing reports and the articles that are out there uh, so but I usually do that uh, but the, the thing is that uh, I'm really doing a lot of projects and for each project I need to uh, uh, learn more. For example, now I'm doing a project in a big um, uh, public sector organization, national public sector organization in Italy, and uh, there we are uh, trying to address uh, data governance and AI governance. So the uh, interconnection between these two topic. Uh, so now I'm trying to to focus my um, research, if you want. It's not a research, but uh, applied research uh, on this topic. So once you need to do that for a client, uh, you you will uh, read more and you you also learn, uh, for example, data mesh and this kind of stuff that was new for for me. Uh, Also for other clients, uh, I need to focus on other topics. So then this is a a driver for me to, to keep updated. Um, then I also try to find some conferences, uh, web or webinars mainly, uh, where you can learn something. For example, uh, now that is a big topic, uh, the generative AI. I'm trying to 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 attend to some of these conferences, uh, and then I, I talk a lot with uh, <laughs> with people that are in different uh, like. Uh, especially in my organization, which is big, but uh, also to learn what are the, the, the problems, right? Then you understand how to find solutions uh, and also the clients. I think that uh, um, it's very interesting what they are questioning you, what they are bringing to you, and then you, you need to find a solution. <laughs> and it's also a good way. While on the other hand, I do not like reading books on these topics. I really, really avoid them. <laughs> Once I finish working, I want to focus on something else because it's also a good way of um, bringing new perspective that do not come from the same field. So that I don't do, but it's a good way. <laughs> it's a very honest statement the one you did uh, <laughs> for the books but yes I also I mean I get your point because uh, if you're like 24-7 talking about the same thing you you lose the perspective you are really focused on whatever I mean AI for example and maybe what you don't think is uh, how that could be good for for example other social stuff around or even maybe you might be uh, reading a book of I don't know 
traveling or something and maybe you think oh that could be an, a really interesting perspective yeah. or whatever so yes I, i i get your point and sarah we are finishing uh little by little but we have a, a couple of minutes left don't worry Uh, but I would like you to share an inspirational message to, for example, uh, someone that is uh, starting with AI uh, from this perspective or ethical perspective as, as you were having, for example, at the beginning, uh, or even maybe an inspirational message to, to yourself when you were younger, for example, and, and you, you were a little bit maybe lost with this uh, completely huge and... and disruptive environment so yeah can you tell the audience something about that i'll try <laughs> so yeah i think that the first thing i would say is that uh, you don't uh, have to be afraid and get overwhelmed by the huge amount of information that right now is there on this topic now it's really inflated and um So you need to go to the sources of information that are really good and uh, select those. So focus on those and do not uh, um, get into the really huge amount of, uh, I'm sorry, blah, blah, <laughs> that is out there on this. Um, so this is the first thing, just to focus on something and also try to be practical. So Uh, find a way in which you uh, put your hands on. If you want to do the technology part, then try to find a, uh, an algorithm and try to see what happens, right? With the good and the bad, and you, you, you get your hands dirty and you understand really the concepts behind it. If you don't want to go to the te technology, then you, you find another practical way. So I was talking about governance and you, you, need, you can go to the processes and you can go to the real problems, right? Like um, how the connection, how the relationship between uh, a person and a machine can, can happen. So really to say, okay, I can inform myself with basic uh, good Uh, let's say foundations but then try to go to the practical side and then from that you can expand but do not lose your uh, yourself in the whole things because otherwise you you just read stuff and you get confused and, and i mean it's really go to the, the to the topic and just explore that So this is my thing, because at the beginning it was really, really challenging and it was much less fashion. So there were fewer <laughs> articles, but right now uh, it's really overwhelming. Hmm. Yes, I agree. And just for giving you some like funny thing, uh, a couple of episodes ago, I did an interview with Oscar Corzo, that was one of our main teachers. And he said exactly the same thing that, yeah, that apparently uh, when he was talking with some of her, his students, uh, they were having the same issue. Like uh, they, they are really, um, I mean, tired because and stressed because they're like so many sources of information to learn from. And yes, as you said, it's really important to say, okay, I am not able to process everything to read everything to listen to everything it's completely impossible um so let's focus on practical things and as you said a really good point also i would say is to to try to to 
to make your hands dirty, right? With, okay, let's try what it happens if I go to Hugging Face and try a model. I mean, maybe uh, it's not going to be working or something, but maybe yes, or maybe now the next time I know how it works or how, I mean, how everything yeah. is more or less. So yes, completely agree with you. And Sarah, uh, one last question. Um, okay, so the first the first part is easy, is how may the audience contact you if they want to talk with you or to know more about your, your life or whatever? And the second part is uh, how do you like coffee? Because uh, this podcast is the AI Coffee Podcast. Uh, we have been talking a lot about AI, but what about coffee? And knowing that you're Italian, maybe I know what type of coffee you like, but let us know. Okay, so you can contact me uh, through LinkedIn. Uh, I, I mean, my name and surname are very, very common. It's uh, Sara Mancini, but uh, uh, you can I, I can send you maybe the, the specific profile so you can contact me. Um, uh, so it's very easy for that. Um, so about my coffee, yes, I'm Italian, but I'm not very like strict on that. So, <laughs> and I do not drink it too much. So morning, uh, coffee and uh, milk, of course, uh, without anything else. Uh, and then one over the, the rest of the, the day with a bit of milk because, that, yeah, I do not like it too much. So I'm not trusting <laughs> any bar and I prefer to have some milk instead of having a bad coffee. So everywhere I have to put some milk to be sure that it's uh, at least good enough uh, to be taken. So, and just like that. Very, 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 very little sugar. Very, very little. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I, I was thinking, I was expecting more that you maybe would like uh, to to drink espressos or ristretos or things alike. But well, that's understandable that if you... Um, are not trusting um, like a place to make your good coffee. Yes. Yeah, it's usually better with <laughs> with some milk or something to exactly. Yeah, yeah, understandable. Okay, uh, Sara, it was a pleasure having you here. I think we have learned a lot. We have been talking about many different and important aspects, and I was really comfortable. So I hope also you were comfortable. Yes, it was very very nice. Okay, so maybe see you soon. And yeah, thank you very much again. Thank you, Alejandro. See you soon. And also thank you, you for listening. Uh, if you liked it, please subscribe, share it with your friends, your relatives, whoever maybe that would like to learn about ethics and AI. And see you next time. See you soon. Hope you liked it. Bye bye.